$1,400 in less than four hours just for saying yes to a deal. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guest, I want to mention FunNet Flip because FunNet Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on, uh, or the main two things, are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, uh, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt. And uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, so go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health and they make the whole process really easy and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you and on average they can save you 400 bucks a year and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and um, the show's all about cutting out that fluffy stuff and getting straight to the best real estate investing advice ever that moves your business forward. Uh, we've spoken to many previous best ever guests like Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Tom Wheelwright, who's Rich Dad Poor Dad's CPA. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. Just Google Joe Fairless, Tom Wheelwright, and the episode will come up. And with us today, we have our next best ever guest, Giovanni Isaacson. How you doing, Giovanni? Great. How are you, Joe? I'm doing very well. Thank you for joining us. And Giovanni is with Ashworth Partners. He's based in Bellingham, Washington. And what he does is, as he describes it, he's the jack of all trades. But let's get into a little bit more specifics, and then I'll let him talk about his experience. He provides real estate third-party due diligence, market research, financial analysis, asset management, and really is a connector for specialists and professionals for his clients. His clients include individuals, retirement, and crowdfunding investors, as well as family offices and private equity firms. So Giovanni, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and kind of as many specifics as possible as far as what you do and who you do it for? Sure. So I have a background in finance and construction. That sounds fancier than it is. I worked my way through school as a carpenter 
and uh, I got my CFP designation and uh, was working in the, the kind of the business of advising individuals on how to plan for retirement and so forth. And uh, got a, met a guy and we did a startup developing software that does the financial analysis for financial planning. And uh, we did a couple other products and stuff like that. And that led to a couple jobs for different Wall Street firms. But uh, I was getting old and fat sitting in a chair. Of course, by then I'm like mid-20s, late-20s. But <laughs> getting old and fat sitting in an office. So I went out and started a construction company. That was 1990. And then uh, sold that in 2006 which was a great time to sell a construction company, but a bad time to take that money and put it into a condo conversion deal, <laughs> as it turns out. So <laughs> that thing kind of blew up and uh, I needed some income. And uh, so I, I had a chance to go to work for a nationally known guru running numbers on deals that his students submitted, hoping that you know, they would find the needle in the haystack that he would partner on them with. But uh, this guy was a big national level guru. There was six of us doing this full time. That's what we did, crunch numbers on these deals students were submitting. Great gig. I saw a million deals, right? Just week after week, just crunching numbers on all kinds of commercial real estate deals. And funny, in all that time, not one of them ever made it through. But the real problem, as it turned out, is... He'd fallen in love with raw land deals at the wrong end of the real estate cycle and was just all but blown up himself. So then I uh, had to find yet another way to generate some income in a crashing market. And I found a guy, old guy out of Florida who was a, an apartment investor. But he was pretty old and his wife wanted him to stay at home. So I essentially was bird dogging apartment deals for him in Texas. And eventually his wife made him retire again for the third time. And so at that point, I went out and I found a small private equity fund that was open to my idea of going after apartments that were REO product at the banks. And so we started buying stuff from the banks in 2009, 2010. And then I picked up another uh, private equity outfit that uh, liked Phoenix and from my contacts in Dallas was able to meet some people in Phoenix. And for those guys, we were doing the same thing in Phoenix, buying REO apartment buildings at, you know, 65 cents on the dollar. And yeah, I've been staying at it ever since. All right. Thank you for that. And I've, I've got a whole lot of questions and we've got a lot of, lot of stuff to cover. So let's get into it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the condo conversion first. Let's, let's rip the Band-Aid off yeah. and pour, pour a little salt in the wound really quick and then we'll get into the good stuff. So what happened on the condo conversion? Can you give us some specifics? Sure. So not a huge deal, but uh, it's 15 units. I was putting in money from the sale of my construction company and then my sweat equity was project managing the deal. And we pretty much, the exterior was okay. Turned out that most of it was interior and then plumbing, huge plumbing issues. But that wasn't our main problem. Our main problem was that the bank that financed us was already going broke in 2006 from real estate deals that were already going bad. We didn't know it at the time. But 
they changed the terms of the deal the night before we signed the loan papers to where we couldn't, instead of getting 70% of all proceeds from the sale of units, which we were planning on having to you know, fund the ongoing rehab, they weren't going to give us a nickel until they'd gotten back 70% of their money. And that really put a squeeze on our cash flow. Can you describe that one more time? I want to make sure that myself and the, the best ever listeners understand what you just said. Yeah. Can you give it maybe an example? So our plan was to, you know, go through as quickly as we can. But we still had renters in, right? So we were this top of the market. Everything always goes up. So we were pretty aggressive and, and we didn't have a huge pile of capital available to fund the rehab. So we were going to move the renters out as we went into rehab. We figured it'd take us about 30 days to get them moved out, rehabbed, and moved back in and or you know cleaned up, staged, and sold, which then w- when the deal closed, we would get 70% of the proceeds of the unit sale back to us, right? And then the bank yep. would get 30%. But because they were so in such a bad position, and eventually they were, you know, that they were taken over by another bank. But they changed the terms of the loan the night before we signed the paper. Meanwhile, our money's already gone hard, right? So we've got two hundred fifty thousand dollars of escrow money, essentially, that we'll never see again, no matter what we do. Plus all the other pre-construction costs that we've done. And so they said we're going to keep all the money from the sales until we get 70% of our loan proceeds back. (laughs) And, you know, if you don't like it, sue us, right? (laughs) So my uh, partner in the deal who was putting the funding together, you know, he worked day and night, day and night, 24-7, going back to the investors that he already had, cross-collateralizing everything he owned, and, you know, trying to get capital in so we could continue to, you know, now we had to ramp production and we tried to, you know, do as many units as possible in as short time as possible, which means we had to move people out wholesale, which was killing our cash flow. But our idea was to get enough rehabbed and sold to get to that 70% mark as quickly as possible so that we'd start getting the proceeds of the sales. And it went along, but it was just slowly sinking ship. Oh, yeah. And we just could never get there, and uh, it was all bad. And eventually, the equity investors that my partner had lined up came in and took over the deal, and we were out, and I had debts and had to go get a real job, <laughs> bird-dogging apartment deals. <laughs> yeah. So then, then that takes us to you meeting the gentleman in Florida. How did you meet him in Florida if you're in Washington? On the internet, I was... Safest place to meet people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was interesting because there was a website, kind of a proto bigger pockets type of thing. And it's no longer around, but the idea was to find... What was it? Rack in my brain now for the name of that. As that soon as matter. we get done with this interview, I'll have it. But yeah. Now you're making me have to put it in the show notes afterwards once you tell it to me. So, okay, best ever listeners, it's going to be in the show notes. There you go. Since Giovanni has promised that. Thanks for giving me work. Well, that's great because it takes (laughs) the pressure off me now. But uh, 
Yeah, so I met this guy on there, and he was looking for apartments. And you know, this guy lived in Florida or was retired in Florida. I think originally from New York or something, but retired in Florida. But loved apartment buildings in Dallas, suburban Dallas. And he told me, you know, he'd pay me, you know, twenty five hundred bucks if I found a deal that he would close. And you know, at the time. That sounded way better than, you know, going to say, hi, welcome to Walmart or something. And that's what I did. And I uh, found a deal that he closed. And, wow, I thought, this is great. And so I found a second one that he closed. But then after that, his wife made him retire again, which I think was his third retirement. But uh, And so by then, I had kind of a track record because I'd closed a couple of deals I knew what I was talking about. I pretty much knew the general layout of Dallas in terms of apartment markets and ran into a guy that I had known for years who now had a private equity fund who wanted to buy apartment buildings in Dallas and thought it was a great time to do it. And it turns out it was. You've known him for years, this next gentleman. How did you know him? What, what was introduction? So we were both members of the same real estate investment association. In Washington? Yeah. So in the Seattle area, there's a huge, there are a number of them, but the, the largest is called REAPS, Real Estate Association of Puget Sound, and had met him at a meeting and we had similar things. So we kind of kept in touch, but, you know, in and out, in and out. And then we reconnected there, and he told me he was looking for REO stuff in Dallas. And I said, well, I happen to know some people, and off to the races we went. You were making 2500 at a deal that closed in Texas with the gentleman from Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at it, at that time, it's a lot of money. Now looking at it, I imagine it's you know wholesalers who are listening to this, well, shoot. I, I make five thousand on a wholesale deal, and I'm I'm selling a thirty thousand dollar house. Like, why take all that time? So, with this, and I understand the mentality at that moment, but now with the small equity fund, with the gentleman that you know in Seattle that you met through Aria, how much are you making on each transaction? There is it the same amount? No. So that was the great thing is that because I was also adding value doing some of the due diligence financial analysis stuff. I was getting a percent, one point. So, you know, $5 million deal, you know, I was making $50,000. Got it. Okay. That was quite a step up in pay, but, you know, a lot more work too. When you were looking at REOs, where you were buying them, you know, 65 cents on the dollar for the Texas group and the Phoenix group, what was your approach to finding those properties? So through a broker in Dallas, I had that had done one of the bird dog deals with my Florida guy. He had mentioned something about REOs and, you know, it kind of clicked in my head eventually and I connected up with him and he turns out kind of started specializing in REO stuff. And so he knew of the people at the banks and through that guy, you know, he could get their lists of stuff and it would send things to me that I would, you know, do the initial number crunch on. And if they looked like there was some upside and it wasn't a total disaster, then I would show it to my client who was interested in Dallas. And then so this guy became, you know, as as the crash and the depression, if you will, kind of grew and, and progressed, that became his specialty. 
he was working with the banks, you know, moving their REO apartment buildings. And through that, somehow, he knew a guy at the same real estate company, but in the Phoenix office, who was doing the same thing. And so he recommended that I talk to him, and with him as reference, was able to get in with this guy who had access to Phoenix stuff. And we did three or four in Phoenix. Was your compensation the same with the Phoenix group? Yeah, there's a point. Did you ever ask or want to get in on the ownership and forfeit some of that upfront payment? Absolutely. But the structure of their deals Mm -hmm. was such that they didn't want or could have outside partners in the deal. And so they both were relatively new private equity funds. And so they were building a track record and they went, essentially, I understood that they were just trying to do clean, simple deals, not super complicated structures or, you know, anything, make it easy for people that were unfamiliar with them to say yes to investing. So that was that, you know, I just did the experience that I got and the references, you know, made up for the fact that I would have loved to have equity, but it just wasn't the right situation. So Giovanni, what are you focused on now? I assume you're not still buying REOs, apartment community REOs. I imagine there aren't too many of those right now. I wish there were, but <laughs> fortunately, on the other hand, of course, we all hope and pray that was a once in a lifetime event, right? It was a great opportunity, but we're happy to pass. Um, what I'm doing now is working with a couple of private equity funds and uh, and a, an investor. For the investor, I'm essentially asset managing his apartment portfolio that he's building in his personal accounts. He's He works at a giant private equity fund for his day job, buying huge pools of distressed debt. But he, and he works 80 hours a week, so I am his asset manager. There's an outfit out of Vancouver that I'm working with, Vancouver, BC, is that I am their de facto acquisition guy. And so we're looking for apartments and different kinds of commercial real estate in specific markets in the Western US. And then the third thing is these guys out of Vancouver have this fund for equity share deals with professional rehabbers that are doing volumes of stuff that they're uh, we're opening up in Washington state. They're in, in five or six other markets around the country, but they're just, we're just opening up the Western Washington, if you will. With those three different avenues, which one do you spend most of your time on and which one is the most lucrative if they're not the same thing? That is my daily battle. Because we're just launching in Washington, I'm, you know, I did a bunch of research initially to kind of hone our approach. And now I've launched the marketing thing and uh, it's bearing fruit. And so yesterday I was in meetings all day with various rehabbers. But, uh, and that, you know, is, that's taking up a lot of time right now. But, you know, my demands are pretty much equal. The asset management stuff is fairly easy. I get the reports from the property manager. I get the reports from my people in the market where that uh, apartment, those apartment buildings are. And I kind of compare the two once a quarter and and see what's going on. Then the, the search for the real estate is really what I should be 
focusing on, but it's a constant challenge to carve out enough time to look for deals during the day. The great thing about commercial real estate is you work humane hours, mostly Monday through Friday, nine to five, right? Instead of 24 seven, like residential real estate. So it's a challenge. All right, Giovanni, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Treat your business like a business. You know, if you respond into the real estate world from the guru sphere, like we all were, or most of us, you were fed a lot of, you know, secret inside knowledge. And the reality is that's great pitch for selling boot camps and self-study courses, but it's a business. And if you treat it like a business and work hard in it like a business, you'll succeed. Otherwise, the people who do work hard in it and treat it like a business will eat your lunch. Really quickly, what's one way to treat the business like a business? Can you give one specific example? So I think that from my natural inclinations, my big thing is knowing the numbers and not knowing just the totals of numbers, but knowing the interrelationship between, you know, cap rate and cash on cash return and how the changing LTV and debt coverage ratios changes what those end up being your cash on cash. And so you really, I think it's Frank Gallinelli's book, you know, on cash flow is the book to read. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, as ready as possible. <laughs> All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read? E-Myth Revisited. Best ever personal growth experience. What'd you learn from it? The crash in 2008. Pay attention to where you are in the real estate market cycle. How do you know where you are in the real estate market cycle? What's an indicator? Vacancy tracks the cycle very closely in every market that I've studied it in. Best ever deal you've done? I made $1,400 in less than four hours just for saying yes to a deal. Rehabber had tied up a property and couldn't find his money guy. And he asked me if I took it and he called me right back four hours later and said, found my money guy and sent me a $1,400 check just for saying yes to keep him in the deal. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Right now, it's finding large-scale rehabbers to match up with our clients' private equity fund, profit share deal for people in the Puget Sound region. Best ever way you like to give back? Don't tell anyone, but I spend a lot of time helping Bigger Pockets members, kind of pro bono, who reach out for help. I, I, I feel obligated to kind of way against some of the guru BS that people get pumped full of. Well, your cover is blown, my friend. You're, you're, <laughs> you're talking to a fairly large audience. So. Don't tell. Yeah. Yeah. But what's the biggest mistake you made in real estate? Not understanding where we are in the real estate cycle. In 2006 and eight, I knew, you know, things were kind of bubbly before we really knew what a bubble was, but I didn't have a frame of reference to see that, man, yeah, it's bad times. And what's the best ever place to reach you, Giovanni? Ashworthpartners.com. A-S-H-W-O-R-T-H 
P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S.com. Awesome. Well, Giovanni, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners. Talking about your condo conversion gone awry and talking about how every obstacle that you've come across, you've made things happen. And, um, you know, really, it's, it's not a matter of what happens to you. It's a matter of what you do about it, your resourcefulness. After, you know, you started your own construction company back in 1990, I believe you said, and sold it in 2006. Nice job on the timing with that. But then invested the money into a condo conversion where the bank was not friendly and not ethical, in my opinion. Uh, and they went into a deal the day before with you and they changed the terms and you had $250,000 money. That was already hard. My God, what a decision you all had to make. And um, very, very interesting to hear that. Thank you so much for sharing. I know it's, it's not a fun thing to share. And then also thanks for sharing your bird dogging experience in Texas, how you met the gentleman online through a, a website an online forum company is uh, no longer the website no longer exists but you'll do a search for that and we'll put that in my my, uh, the show notes for this page so best ever listeners just go to the show notes page just my website we'll we'll have it if you google my name and Giovanni's name uh, I'm sure will come up and then talking about your approach buying the properties the REO apartment communities making 2500 a pop on them initially and then getting one point on closing as you progressed and now you're doing all sorts of different things but all roads lead back to underwriting and uh, connecting the dots then using using your skill set of knowing as it you know tying into your best ever advice knowing the interrelationship of the numbers it's interesting to take a look at that and talk about it a little bit because it's not just the cap rate and the cash on cash return it's how all of the other factors are dependent on each other and if one is changed, then how the others are changed and how that influences your transaction. So thanks so much for being on the show, sharing your advice. I hope you have a best ever week. Great. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. <laughs>